It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. Are you having a good weekend? Are you? Really and truly? You wouldn't lie to me, would you? Because I'm not going to lie to you. My weekend, right this minute, as of 12 noon, whatever time it is, because we got two time zones, but it's really not going that great. I'm just going to be really honest with you. It's, it's not. I mean, it could get better, but... I'm not going to lie to you. It's not going that great, but that's okay. But you know what? I am about to start chatting with our guest. I'm going to have you guys online on uh, as backup. You're my backup. And I take it that you're going to be cheering me on so I can have a good one hour from now. It's always fun, though, chatting with uh, our guests. Our guests are so much fun sometimes, but uh, that's what we do around here. Well, listen, before we get to our guests, we have two guests for today. I want to tell you about this really nice event that will be taking place right here in Las Vegas starting next week. Okay, it is the uh, Cosmetology Institute of Las Vegas, and they're having their fifth annual wig-a-thon. Yeah, wig. I love wigs. Um, and it this event also will feature complimentary handmade wigs and beauty makeovers for breast cancer survivors, plus free mammograms. You just can't get any better than that. Now, this is a two-part event. And what it does, it connects local cosmetology students with cancer survivors for a complimentary hand made wigs and beauty makeovers and it starts october 26th through the 30th during breast cancer awareness month uh plus again they will have free on-site mammograms on november 5th that's a part of it as well so let me give you the uh, other details here this whole event was started by a local philanthropist, just a really giving, big-hearted person, Denise Dixon. And again, this is their fifth annual Wigathon event, and it features these beautifully handmade wigs, and they're going to have beauty makeovers. And what woman doesn't love beauty makeovers? Come on. And again, it benefits local breast cancer survivors during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Now, this this event is taking place starting at 8 a.m. all the way until 4 p.m. That's starting October 26th through the 30th, starting at 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And it will be held at the Cosmetology Institute of Las Vegas. And that address is 3249 West Craig Road, Suite 100, and that's in the North Las Vegas area. The zip code is 89032. And let me give you a little bit more details. The school's students, again, these are handmade wigs, each one of them. They make them completely from scratch using high-quality human hair. 
Now, all of the wigs will be given out to selected recipients based off of community recommendations, as well as through a partnership with the local chapter of the American Cancer Society. Now, the recipients will attend the event and they will get their wigs fitted right there on site, in addition to receiving complimentary beauty makeovers by the Cosmetology Institute of Las Vegas students. So it's going to be days of just fun, ladies looking their best, feeling their best. I mean, just even when I comb my hair, I know a lot of people don't believe me, but I do comb my hair. When I comb my hair, I just feel like a whole different person. So I can only imagine uh, you know, just getting a full body, full facial, just makeup, hair, everything, brows, it's all going to be done right there. Now, in all, there will be 10 breast cancer survivors, and they will all be attending the event. And also up to 10 additional wigs will be donated to the American Cancer Society. Now, if you'd like to get more information what you need to do is call the Cosmetology Institute of Las Vegas. Their phone number is area code 702-756-2208. Or again, address 3249 West Craig Road, Suite 100 in North Las Vegas. The zip code is 89032. And if you'd like to go to the uh, website, go to C-I-L-V.com, C-I-L-V.com. All of the information is right there. You can also follow them on social media, facebook.com, the forward slash mark, C-O-S, what is that? C-O, God, it's so tiny. Yeah, I need glasses, don't I? Uh, C-O-S-I-N-S-L-V, I Let me go over that again. That's facebook.com forward slash Mark C-O-S-I-N-S-L-V for Facebook. And on Instagram, they are at C-I-L-V-E-G-A-S. C-I-L-V-E-G-A-S. So I always say when in doubt, give them a call. I've given you all the details. And if you want to email us, info at filmfestivalradio.com, we can uh, just forward you all of this information. But again, you can find it all on their website as well. So we've taken care of our local business there. And when we come back, we will have our first guest. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to being it's just me, myself, and I. Okay, we are back with our first guest for today's show here. Well, let me tell you this. For those of you out there who maybe maybe you're in college or maybe you've thought about, wow, I would just love to know what it's like. I'd love to work in entertainment, PR, public relations, or uh, social media, entertainment, social media, or any of that. Well, you might want to think twice about it. I mean, believe me, there are, there's a, there's a lot of good days, but they're in today's media, in today's public relations, particularly in entertainment. 
it's a whole different ball game from when it, you know, back when I started and a lot of people out there who work in PR, especially corporate PR, they can tell you this. Today's PR and entertainment and whether it's film, television, radio, social media, oh my, uh, the chess game is crazy. No, it's definitely definitely not checkers. In fact, I wonder sometimes if it's even chess. And what I'm saying is that this brings me to our guest. Our guest is uh, has a brand new book. His name is Jeremy Murphy. And Jeremy is not only an author, but he owns his own uh, boutique public relations uh, firm in the New York City area. Uh, the, the name of it is 360 Bespoke very well-respected PR agency in the New York area. And prior to uh, launching his own business, he was uh, vice president of communications at CBS, where he worked for 14 years. So Jeremy really knows uh, his PR, corporate, uh, all of it. ABCs, one, two, threes, he knows it. And so what his book, let me give you the title of his book. This book is hilarious. I can't, it's a four-letter word, so F off, Chloe, surviving the OMGs and the FMLs in your media career. Yes, that is the title. So if you work in media, uh, you know, a veteran in it like Jeremy and I are, or maybe you're just starting out, this is a book that you really need to read because I mean, he's written it in a kind of nice, nasty, kind of snarky way. It's very well done. Uh, it's very funny. But, every, you know, everything Jeremy is saying is true about today's media. So, I mean, the book is, is kind of like his love-hate relationship with uh, the profession, his amusement about it, kind of his scorn sometimes. And, and it's the same um, it's the same grievances that I have and so many of my friends who work in it. And he's just done a really good job at chronicling it and putting it all in a nice, nice big box of a book with a bow on it. Um, example. Entitled millennials, not all, but a lot of them, surly reporters, obnoxious clients, oh my goodness, uh, color-coded trackers. I mean, these are just some of the things that we deal with. Um, we'll get back with you, Mm-mm, bad phrase. Um, oh, you know, my phone died on me. These are some of the things publicists say about their client. Oh, I didn't get back with you on that interview because oh, my phone died. Nah, not really. Not all the time. Uh-uh. I'll get back with you. No, you won't. You just have to keep hammering and hammering. It's just really, really crazy. Uh, what else do we deal with? It's just insane. A, a lot of, uh, especially when you're dealing with like large, large events, like big entertainment events. Oh my God. It's like not three ring circus. How about six ring circus? Uh, then it's just crazy. But the book again is F, I can't say it, F off, Chloe, surviving the OMGs and the FMLs in your media career. So Again, if you're in college, you're majoring in journalism communications, go get this book. Or if you're in it, 
been in it forever, like me, go get this book because it will bring you a lot of laughs. I promise you. Uh, let's bring Jeremy. Oh, I can't wait to talk to him because I've been laughing. So uh, let's bring Jeremy on right now to give us more details about his wonderfully entertaining new book. F off, Chloe. Surviving the OMGs and FMLs in your media career. Okay, let's connect Jeremy right now. This somebody had to do it, and I'm so glad that he did because uh, it was it was needed. Yeah, it was needed. This book was needed. It's been needed for a very very long time. So we now have it. Uh, they said he'll be on in about five more seconds. Okay, let's connect Jeremy right now. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, is this Jeremy? Yes, it is. Hi, Jeremy. This is Janice Malone with Film Festival Radio Show calling for our interview. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jeremy. I am just in love with your book. Just the title alone is like, yes, somebody was finally brave enough to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Well, Jeremy, you are more than your your experience in media. You now are the founder of your own uh, very well-respected PR boutique agency, 360 Bespoke. And among your yeah. other accomplishments, you're former vice president of communications at CBS. So you really, really know your ABCs, one, two, threes, and timetables about PR today. Gosh. I just love it. So, okay. The book is F Off Chloe, Surviving the OMGs and FMLs in Your Media Career. Jeremy, what inspired you, first of all, the title, and what inspired you to even do the whole book? Uh, so the title um, is uh, Chloe is uh, someone very young and entitled who comes to work and wants a trophy for being there. She's never been told no. She's always told she's a superstar. And then she comes into work and expects the same adulation. And they all seem to be named Chloe for some reason. And uh, I got that. I got the idea one time when uh, I sent an email to a large group and this girl named Chloe replied back and she said, TLDR, LOL. And I had no idea what it means. So I, I went on Google and it means too long, didn't read. And oh. I was so angry. But then I said, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. So her name was Chloe. So I, that always stuck with me. And when I started writing the book, I'm like, okay, I got to I got to take a dig at Chloe. <laughs> so that's where it came from. You know, uh, yes, your, your uh, initial description, that sounds like, half of my friend's kids who just got out of college and yep. title. Oh, oh my God. I'm so glad it's not just me who can see this. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're all suffering. We're suffering. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm sure either um, the young ladies who are named Chloe in the media, they either love you or hate you or a combination of both. Have you? What kind of feedback have you been getting? I haven't heard uh, from any Chloe's, but if I disappear, uh, I, I'm... <laughs> first call to the police. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> okay. We will remember that. So... If I go missing, you know who 
<laughs> we'll, we'll know. Chloe number one, Chloe number 15. I just keep yeah, Exactly. Going. Well, Jeremy, exactly. when did you notice, when did you first notice that Houston, which is my original hometown, Houston, we have a problem here. When did you first pick up on this? You know, um, when I was at CBS, I was very fortunate to be of a certain rank that, you know, I didn't really work with any of Chloe's. And then when I started my company, they're everywhere. They seem to breed. Uh, and every day there's another Chloe who has no idea uh, what they're talking about and sends emails and text, text language as if I, I understand this. And uh, they're just indifferent to work, and but they want your job. Yes. So definitely in the last three years, I've noticed that the, the, the Chloe population continues to grow and threaten us. I love how you say they just continue to grow and sprout and breed. Oh, absolutely. It's uncontrollable. It's like, you know, uh, it's like an alien invasion. It is. I'm just like, I'm like, I oh got, I just think we have a kindred spirit. It's not just me anymore. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing they do is, uh, you know, they, they can't, uh, you know, they can't form a sentence, mm -hmm. but they love their Google Docs, Spread Doc, Dropbox, Slam Boom, Shared Drivers, Folder, Slack. They love all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, I, I want to tear my hair out. I, if someone invites me to another Google Doc, I'm going to just decline because I'm not interested. Again, same here. Same here. I just, yep. the best I can do is just roll my eyes and then, you know, behind my back, I give them both middle fingers, but that's just me. Yep. <sighs> that's just me. <laughs> but, Jeremy, your website is, for the book is f offchloe.com. Yeah. And yep. I love you have, you at the website, you have created a list and it's a great one basic truths about media slash pr this list is so priceless um okay let's talk about one of them that this ugh. no one is ever getting back to us how how prevalent is that for you oh you know what that's i, I hate that it's um oh we'll get back to you or let's keep the conversation going no, no conversation. You're obviously not interested. Um, we'll keep your resume on file. No, you won't. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. Like, this is all, uh, you know, a polite way of saying, F you, we're not interested. So why don't they just say it? Yes, why not? Is, is there like a, a secret yeah. code bylaws that we don't know about that makes them tell this lie or what? Exactly. I mean, may, maybe Netflix. Next time, that means never. Uh, drink soon. That, that's not soon. Don't hold your breath. Um, yeah, so I wanted to start off the book with some basic truths. Let's just lay a foundation and pop some balloons and let people know this is serious. This is serious business. Um, even though it's a humor, not, you know, it's a snotty humor book. Um, <laughs> but it is so sorry. I, I wanted to. I wanted to pop some balloons and like just like all right before you start let's just get some things set let's let's agree on some certain certain um, uh, certain truths. And you, this list is priceless. What if this? Oh, this one. Thank you for this one. Not everyone has a talent. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Bless oh you. Oh my God! You know what? 
I, that is one of my, oh, I can't stand it. You know what? And it's not PC to say, mm-hmm. but, you know, talent is not, you can't teach talent, okay? You're either born with it or not. It's like trying to teach someone to be tall. You can't do it. No. You know, there are people, great writers. There are people, great uh, athletes, people great at business. That's something you're born with. And we have to just be honest about that. Like, not everybody's a superstar, Um and but you know, in, in today's woke wokeness, you're not allowed to say that. No. So we just think it. I'm saying. <laughs> and and your resume will not be kept on file. Oh yeah, that's another one. Oh, first of all, there is no file. It's called the trash. Trash. <laughs> that's their file. That is your file. <laughs> God, I mean, I encourage everybody to please go look at this list. It's too, I mean, we would be here all day because it's so funny, but true. That's the scary part because everything you've listed is true. Oh. Yep. You know, I just wanted to just get it all on the table because if you don't <laughs> laugh at this and see it, you sure shouldn't read the book. You really because should. Because this is. This is the appetizer for the main course. It is. And your book is humorously sarcastic. But again, so especially if you work in media or PR or anytime, you, you, you know this stuff because we deal with it daily. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I think the book is, I, I call it like a third round of drinks for media veterans. Because, yes. Because, you know, I tried to cap what everybody's thinking and feeling, I wanted to put into words, mm-hmm. but advocating about media consolidation. I'm just being a smart ass and making jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I see a quote here, a uh, comment. Uh, you said that your psychiatrist finds this book deeply concerning. They're going to love you. Well, what, speaking of cancel culture and all of that, and you do, again, you own your own uh, PR agency, 360 Bespoke. Uh, what do you suggest to people who are targets or, or have become a target of the cancel culture? How do you handle that nowadays? Well, it, you know, it's tricky uh, and it's a very sensitive subject. What I usually tell my clients is keep your head in the sand. Uh-huh. You know, stay off the radar. Do what you're doing. Sell your product, but don't don't opine on anything. Don't post anything on Facebook. Don't share your views because if you have the wrong view, people are going to come after you. And it's really sad that we have. I have to say that. But you know, one example I gave, gave is I had a client uh, in Boca Raton, and he he wanted to post a black square on his Instagram and, and make a statement about Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, you're a white, rich man in Boca Raton. Keep your head in the sand. <laughs> you have no role in this conversation. Um, so it's really telling people, like, unless you can add to this and add context and, and uh, ideas, don't get involved because it's just too dangerous. Well, now, uh, to further speak of controversy, 
Netflix and Dave Chappelle, are they handling this properly or, or what do you think about that? I think Netflix is handling it properly because, you know, Netflix needs artists. Mm -hmm. They need creative people to create content for them to sell, right? Mm -hmm. And if artists don't feel that they have their back, you know, like if, if Netflix said, okay, you know what, Dave Chappelle, we're going to cancel you. No other comedian would want to go on Netflix because, you know what, is that, are you going to do that to me? Do I not have the right to speak freely. So I, I do think Netflix made the right decision. Um, you know, comedy is a reflection of our lives and our society and our culture. And the really good ones, you think like George Carlin and Chris Rock, they put a mirror to um, absurdities and, and, and human conditions and, and habits and uh, trends. And sometimes they get it right and sometimes they get it wrong. But we really have to give them that space to test stuff out and push boundaries and break taboos. Uh, my problem with Chappelle is I just didn't find what he said funny. Uh, you know, like, there are so many other things to go after. Like, you know, the trans community is already subject to hate and violence and scorn. Why, why, uh, why go after them? You know, like, there's so many other things to, to poke fun at that, um, that aren't, you know, as, as offensive and that, that, that are really, you know, hurting uh, hurting an audience. So I just wish he was funnier. Um, but I think he absolutely should have the right to speak. And I think Netflix really made a bold decision. And I think it's going to be embraced by uh, the creative community. Okay. Now, I was curious to know this. Again, the book is F off. And I want to say the whole word so badly because I am such an F bomb dropper. Uh, <laughs> that's just me. Uh, F off, Chloe. Surviving the OMGs and the FMLs in your media career. So, uh, one last question here. How has your, your former colleagues at CBS, what's been their response to this book? Well, um, you know, it's very, it's not, it hasn't been widely circulated. Um, so, uh, but, you know, the, the people who have seen it really love it. Um, it's funny, you know, it's, I've got illustrations that you can color in. Like, there's nothing controversial about this book. I'm not revealing secrets, and I'm not going after celebrities. I'm not, it's just funny observations about media through the lens of PR and journalism. And everybody's game, but, you know, it's with a pinch. It's not a punch. Uh -huh. it's, it's a lighthearted, funny, smart-ass read that hopefully people laugh. For some reason, I one day see this book as being like, uh, remember the old uh, Murphy Brown TV show? Yeah. I just see this being an updated kind of Murphy Brown type type of a show if you ever went into television with it. Oh, I would love that. You know, someone brought that up. They said it's like the odd couple. You get like mm -hmm. someone like you and a Chloe mm -hmm. in a sitcom. And yes. it's like, you know, it's a, it's a more offensive, uh, a profane office. And I'm like, hey, that's a good idea. It really <laughs> is. Material. It really is. I was such a <laughs> such a fan. I was a you know a kid then, but I just loved uh, Murphy Brown and uh, Candace. I mean, they oh, were me just too. so funny. Uh, but yeah, I can see this. I mean, they're doing all these reboots that pff, nobody really right. likes. Why not bring nobody something likes. fresh like this? This would be a great sitcom. I think. Uh, hey, I'm all for it. You know what? Send me that check here to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That will be fine. I'll be in the publicist protection program. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, 
I'll tell you, Jeremy, lastly here, again, you know, you, you're more than busy. You know, you've got your book, you've got the agency. So is there anything else that you're working on that we can expect from you maybe early next year or something? Yeah, I'm actually writing. A, 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 I wrote a teleplay for a, a five, no, 13-episode drama series. And I'm actually working with James Brolin on it. Nice. Um, which is really exciting, and it's out for sale, so we're hoping, like, someone buys it. Okay. Um, yeah, that was, you know, during the, the, um, during the pandemic, um, I, I, I drank a lot, which was, which fueled a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I might, uh, McAllen might want a percentage of royalties. <laughs> Yeah, oh my goodness. Between the Karens and the Chloe's, oh my God, they're going to come after both of us. <laughs> I know, but you know, Chloe's the new Karen. Yes, she definitely is. Uh, she just is. And it's such a perfect, it just fits in. Like I said, when I, when I first saw it and heard about it, I said, oh my goodness, somebody finally said it, did it, saying it. <laughs> Woo, we live you know, in I, this. I, you know, I just reached that point where I was like, I'm just going to say it. You know, I'm, I'm so tired of this woke, you know, PC that you, you can't uh, share what's on your mind. You can't talk. You can't laugh. Everybody's offended. I actually have in the book uh, a list called How to Be Woke. Oh. And, uh, you know, I'm giving people tips on, you know, patrolling um, conversation for hints of privilege. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you've got to buy some Harry and Meghan stuff. Yes. you got to, you know, you got to, um, you can't go to the restaurant because they serve foie gras. Like, you know, it's a, it's a blueprint if you want to yeah. be really woke. Yeah, you killed a duck. Okay. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Can you imagine what this year's holiday season trying to be at Thanksgiving did? Because, see, things are worse than last Thanksgiving. Because now you've got people upset. About, are, you, are you vaccinated or pro-vax or not? You got that into the fold. And Because last year it was all about the, the political race, you know. Uh, so now you got this. I, I think I'll just go to 7-Eleven and get a hot dog for Thanksgiving. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Well, you know, the vampire community is going to come after uh, people and say you're appropriating our culture. <sighs> so we got to worry about that. Yep. 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 We got, oh, yep. goodness. Nobody's safe, Jeremy. None of us are safe. Nobody is safe. Yes. Head in the sand. Head in the, I always say link in, out. Link out. <laughs> That's it. Link out. Link out. Well, again, the book is, I think I just like seeing the title, F Off Chloe, Surviving the OMGs and the FMLs in Your Media Career. (laughs) So, gosh, Jeremy, thank you so much for the chat and the laughs and the book. And, yeah, you and and James Brolin get the uh, the script in development and it's on air. Please come back. And I've got to get on your mailing list of your agency so we can start talking to some of your clients if possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll, I'll make sure you get that. Okay. I'll have my assistant send you guys, uh, um, you know, everything. And so you, I can get on your list. So thank, awesome. thank you again, my dear. I just love chatting Absolutely. with you. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Well, take care. And we'll see you either on TV or the bookstore or the films. One or the other. You're there. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Take care. Have a good day. You too, then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Okay, we are back with our final guest for this weekend's uh, Film Festival radio show. And I will tell you something about our guest and his uh, film project. Well, there was a new uh, documentary that was released just a few weeks ago. It is titled For Love, and it is narrated by best-selling, award-winning Canadian singer-songwriter Shania Twain. Oh, she's like one of my favorite performers. Now, uh, the topic of this documentary, it, it focuses on the extremely high number of Indigenous children in the Canadian foster care system. And now, as we all know, Shania is a longtime uh, advocate for children's rights uh, through her Shania Kids Can Foundation, which she's had for many, many years. And also earlier this year, as the whole world knows, uh, the discovery, the tragic discovery of the remains of 215 children uh, in Canada that was uh, discovered uh, on a former on the grounds of a former school where a lot of these children uh, were attending back in, um, I don't remember the exact year, but it was discovered in the area of British Columbia. And of course, that put that whole tragic topic in the international uh, spotlight, went on to find, uh, they found and discovered uh, 1,000 plus children's remains in unmarked graves. So uh, this documentary is just, you know, it focuses in on and hopefully can answer questions, uh, bring solutions, hopefully to this very tragic topic. Now the film is directed, as I said, by my guest, Matt Smiley. Matt is a very talented artist as well as a filmmaker. And he produced the film in conjunction with Mary T.G. of Carrier Sakani Family Services. Um, these two, Matt and Mary, collaborated together on a previous documentary back in 2015 titled Highway of Tears, which again, really did push the issue, bring the information about missing and murdered indigenous women to the international public um, media there. So uh, as I said, For Love, uh, Shania is the narrator of it. It is a film that is making the rounds throughout various, uh, throughout the world, actually, in film festivals. I understand there have been schools and universities and organizations who are very interested in uh, screening the film at their locations. And to further speak of Shania Twain, uh, she in December, she will be making her big return here in Vegas, her Vegas residency at Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino. And I really do hope that I can go to see her. I've Last time I saw her perform, it was in Dallas. This was way, way back. And what a show she put on. But anyway, uh, let's bring uh, director Matt Smiley to give us more details about this new documentary. Again, it is titled For Love. And I think everyone really should see it. It'll bring tears to your eyes. But um Oh, this type of information has to be brought to the forefront to see uh, how it can be eradicated and never happen again to no children anywhere in the world. So let's bring Matt on right now. Okay. All right. All right, everybody. We are 
talking to Matt Smiley, uh, who is di the director of this amazing new documentary that I've been talking about uh, for a, a few weeks here now. And so now, um, so Matt, you know, first of all, welcome to the show. And uh, tell us all about this documentary and how it is connected to the superstar Shania Twain. Oh, well, thank you so much, uh, first and foremost, for having me on the show. And um, so For Love really spawned. It was, uh, it was a project that um, was presented to me by one of my producing partners, Mary Tiji, and she works um, very much, very closely in child and family services all across Canada, along with Cindy Blackstock, who's, who's done a lot of great work uh, as far as getting retribution for children. Um, and, you know, we, we ended up shooting in pretty much every single province and territory in Canada, uh, minus two locations, and really focused on First Nations, Métis, and Inuit culture. Um, but really, it was kind of, I'm kind of equating it to a little bit of a listening tour and seeing what's happening, because obviously in the media, since um, May, uh, with the uncovering of all the mass graves in Canada, with yes. the, um, with the, uh, basically with the history, negative history of the uh, residential schools, which kind of mirrors what happened here in the United States with the industrial schools, is um, there is a massive, massive, over 52% of Indigenous children in Canada are in the foster care system, yet they make up only 7% of the total population. Um, but really, aside from really focusing on the history of Canada and the first portion of the film, the second part is really trying to showcase what some of these leaders all across the country, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, are doing to ensure that children have all the resources that they need to stay in their communities, to stay um, connected to their culture, which is something that's been, you know, uh, torn away from them for, for as long as we can remember. And, uh, you know, it was about midway through the editorial process. Shania was actually on our minds during the filming of it. Um, and what's interesting is obviously anywhere, <laughs> anywhere you go, um, you always hear some of her music. But, you know, it's in speaking with a lot of people within the communities um, that always had a really positive response, as did you in our, in our conversations previously to, 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 speaking today, is, you know, people love Shania Twain. And the one thing that really marked me more so than just getting a narrator for this film um, was somebody who's actually really in touch with what's happening with children. And for as long as she's had her career, she's really put children first, especially with regards to her, her charity, um, Shania Kids Can. And uh, I had actually, in my, I say in my previous life, when I was younger, I was uh, an actor and uh, mostly in Canada and then, you know, immigrated here to the United States is uh, one of my first voice agents actually ended up representing her. So through that kind of connection and getting through with a, a couple of friends, um, we ended up getting her a copy, uh, a working, a working draft, I would say a working draft, a working cut of the, of the film. And uh, literally within two, three days, she responded. She watched it. She was really deeply touched by it. And that kind of spiraled, uh, you know, uh, working together for several months in terms of 
really figuring out what our strategy is and how to best tell this story and what her personal connection to to the to the film and the subject was and you know she she does inherently understand you know given that in her family connection you know she was um legally adopted by her her stepdad who's very much like her dad and when her parents passed away she became the legal guardian of of her siblings and you know even throughout her big struggles of of trying to make a career as an artist and i i think i can't think of a better person whose heart is really in it you really feel it and i think it was also important given the nature of children um that it's somebody that's not just going to voice it and walk away but somebody that's now become you know quite a dominant force and a partner um as far as all the work that she's actually physically doing in in helping kids um have have their needs met it just seems like this project was just custom made for her to be a part of you know knowing her family background and her passion uh for so long for uh, fighting for children's rights. So it's just a perfect marriage with the project with Shania. That's wonderful. Yeah, I really do think, you know, I, I know in our previous film, we, we had a, a different type of narration um, relationship, but with Shania, it really is, a, it's somebody whose heart and whose passion is in there. And you can't, uh, that's something that can't really be fabricated. And, uh, and it really does help. I can just see in the, in, you know, we, we had our first special screening on September 30th to, to commemorate the, the first Truth and Reconciliation uh, National Day in Canada, which is the first time that that's been recognized. And, uh, you know, and the partnerships that she's also done recently as far as making sure the kids have everything that they need in school. Um, you know, the, the film has one life in terms of bringing awareness, and that's certainly something as a, as a big superstar that she brings. But as far as somebody who's not afraid to kind of, you know, put on a pair of boots and get the work done, uh, I, w- I would definitely say that's, that's, that's not uh, past mm-hmm. her, and that's something that's very cool to see in somebody that's, that's um, such a great artist as well. Uh, this is such a... You know, the film, uh, the documentary For Love, it, it's the topic, It you know, has elements that will make you sad, very sad, and elements that will make you angry, and then some elements that are just kind of just, you go, why? Why? Um, so give us just a, of course we want people to definitely see the film, but just give us a, a summary of what people will actually see in, in the actual film. Um, so that's a, a great question, and I, I do kind of like your <clears throat> your point as to why. But what people will see in this film is really the, the, the first 20 to 25 minutes is really detailing 150 years of, of colonial past with the Canadian government, uh, not really shying away from those tough conversations as far as what the ramifications were of the Indian Act. Um, which, which really were some of those first policies that, that, that started to, to, to kind of destroy indigenous culture and I would say destroy, try to suppress it. And it starts to quick, quickly shift to, well, what do we do now and what's actually being done? And, um, and there's, you know, a, a big word that's been used quite often over the last couple of years, I would say more so in Canada than, than here in the United States is reconciliation. 
And I think as far as that reconciliation is ensuring that there's equity for all children and making sure that some of these communities that are wildly rich in natural resources that they don't get to the benefit uh, of having, and especially with regards to having proper social services and whatnot. But I think the more that people are talking about it, and I think that does become evident in the film, and we do showcase and we're very careful not to show too many children in care. We do follow two groups of, uh, two separate groups of, <clears throat> of youth um, that we know and have great relationships with, with all of their organizations that really support them and know that they're strong in detailing their stories because, you know, what, what puts a child in care, there's so many different factors, as you know, that really, <clears throat> that really, that force them into that kind of situation, but a lot of it, you know, ends up being poverty and is trying to address those and showcasing how culture can really help overcome uh, a lot of these generational impacts. Because for me, you know, one of the biggest learning lessons in filming this, and I think it becomes really evident near the end of the film, is epigenetics. And in, you know, uh, First Nations, Métis, Inuit culture, let's just say Indigenous culture in, in general, there's really that seven generations, what you do now will have an impact, you know, seven generations down the line. And uh, I think it's really important to, to open up the dialogue, which is what we're doing and why I'm thankful that, that you're also participating in this conversation, is really building that awareness because there's a lot of stuff, especially here in the United States with a lot of groups that, that I've worked with in, in various um, in, in various places or various states is um, is just ensuring that people are aware of what's happening, what kind of roadblocks uh, essentially some of the Native American communities also have in addressing, you know, even just recently in Wyoming, dealing with the missing and murdered women or, you know, just uh, elevating elements of poverty and ensuring, you know, there's, there's a lot of dialogues that I feel have not happened here. And I think now with Deb Holland really pushing forward and doing a full investigation of what happened with these industrial schools, that I think a lot of that is going to uncover some really unpleasant conversations, but hopefully in the end, some understanding of where people are coming from. And then hopefully with that understanding is how can people work together to, to make changes. And that's, you know, kind of the basis of my first documentary film was trying to take a subject and not necessarily trying to uncover a whodunit kind of murder mystery, but like, what can we do in actionable steps to, to make change? And I, and I do see that already working with this film, even though we're really, now we took a little break, but are really going to start um, with a lot of screenings uh, November into December. Uh, is opening up that dialogue. And I think it's a really, really important one to have, you know, not just in Canada, but all across North America, really. Was, uh, was there any hesitation or apprehension during the making and the filming of the film from some of the Indigenous people or organizations, you know, trust factors, anything like that? Um, as, as far as in the making of it, the doors were wide open. I was personally apprehensive uh, to jump on board in the beginning, and it was Mary, my producing partner, and we had worked together on Highway of Tears before, which was successful, and we had a good run on, on Netflix. 
and now and and um you know as i'm i'm not indigenous but you know one thing that that mary's always always said is that i've always been there and i've always listened and i'm and and you know i'm, I'm there obviously caring um the doors were pretty wide open i think it was because i have been a part of various communities and and you know many families that i've met over the years when i was touring with highway of tears became kind of extended family members for me so it does become deeply personal um i must say that as we were nearing the end and even with you know chanel on board and whatnot as far as decision makers on on film festivals and things that don't necessarily understand the full dynamics behind a project um and what that what that means is i think there were a few roadblocks but now since we did our our special screening on september a lot of very powerful, you know, indigenous leaders really stand behind the film and were quite moved by it. But I, I do feel like kind of the brakes are off now. And for me, the most beautiful part of it, especially in sharing it with some of the youth that did, managed to fly into to Vancouver to present the film with us, is it's something that I can kind of start to walk away from and let them really run with it. And, and, you know, part of our filming process, too, is we, we got cameras and things and we started, you know, donating to youth groups so they can really tell their stories, too. And I think it's really exciting. That's good to hear. That's very good to hear that uh, some of the youth um, can tell their own stories now. And you guys provided those opportunities for them. That's wonderful. That is so exciting. So well, there good. was... You know, one one in particular, Lori Jack, and I know in our Q&A at the end of our, our screening on, on 30th, you know, and, and detailing a little bit more of what she went through as, as being in the care system and what, you know, the organizations that really helped her through all of that. But really, it's the culture and the canoe journey and being in touch with, like, her ancestors. Um, and, and, and seeing now, you know, she, she, she kind of made a joke obviously we had masks in, in the audience, but we had special masks made out of the poster. And she was like, I would have never imagined, you know, 10 years ago in the, in, in the trauma that she was essentially living, that she would, you know, be sitting in a room filled with 300 people all with her, <laughs> her, her face basically on, on their mask and in posters everywhere that she, she felt quite empowered. And, you know, to me that uh, we've, we've, we're already winning in that regard of, of, oh, absolutely. of building a strong generation. Now, I know you mentioned that uh, for November, December, obviously there will be screenings at uh, other upcoming film festivals. Um, so uh, is there a particular uh, website or, or social media handles that people can go and, and get details for the film? Yeah, so people can get details at love film.com and uh on the website we're actually opening the second half of it now we had tried to keep everything kind of under wraps for a little bit um but we're going to have like a full list of all the screenings that are going to be available as far as um film festivals and there's so many organizations it's unbelievable like the the response that we've now received uh, especially with like you know write-ups in in us weekly that do have a pretty heavy readership um that there's a lot of interest from a lot of um you know even non-indigenous 
indigenous groups, but, you know, housing groups and, and organizations that really want to screen it in schools and universities. Uh, so that's really exciting. And now we're kind of just in the midst of finalizing to do our, our distribution deal that will have it really accessible to a, a massive worldwide audience. And I would say hopefully a part of that is the filmmaking process. And then another part is, you know, um, Shania does really help and give a, a worldwide reach that I knew she would be very strong on and she's been very supportive of, but, uh, but uh, she, she's definitely very well loved. And I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect fit. And I think people should really pay attention because if we don't have our kids strong, what else do we have? Absolutely. Now I understand that you will be here in Las Vegas very soon for one of Shania's shows. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm excited to see her. I've actually never seen her uh, perform, but I'm going to go on December 4th and uh, at the Planet Hollywood Theater, so I'm, I'm really excited. Well, I may join you guys. I've never seen her in person either, as uh, performance-wise. So, yeah, so you've worked with her on the film, and now you get to see her on stage. That's a big... Oh, how exciting for you. <laughs> yeah, I think I got the real tough, <laughs> woman that has a big heart and I'm, I'm excited to really discover you know the the artist and doing what she what she really loves and what really brings people a lot of joy so that yeah. you know especially after the few years that we've had here I think it'll it'll be nice to celebrate a little bit and finally what is your next project have you started on it yet or what yes I've actually got a few uh in the pipeline of working on two TV series that we're one very close to kind of moving forward on. And uh, there's uh, t two feature projects that we're very close to, to starting. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I tried to shift away from filmmaking and focus on uh, fine art painting, which was going really well. And now I'm kind of excited after spending, uh, you know, three very intensive years very much focused on this project, which demanded it. To, to have a little fun, um, you know, doing some exhibitions and, and, and yeah, shooting uh, some, some fun fiction films as well. Oh, absolutely fabulous. You are, sounds like you're going to be busy all the way up until the end of next year here. So. <laughs> That's always I good. think so. <laughs> but you've got to take a little time to come visit us here in Vegas in December. And I might join you guys uh, to see, like I said, because I've, I am just such a longtime fan of Shania Twain's from the very first album, and this will be a, a treat for me as well. So I might just be on a oh, well, row. Awesome. I, look, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, me too. So um, anyway, give us that website once again for, for, for Love, the film, the documentary. So the website for For Love is www.forlove.com film.com okay. and uh, all the screenings and everything and all our socials are on there and on IMDb as well so there'll be a lot of listings coming up in the next less than two weeks we'll have a pretty full list of stuff throughout Canada the United States and Europe and and then you know hit the streamers so I'm pretty excited oh, we're off to a good start yeah such a, a very noteworthy uh, topic Unfortunately, it's been, you know, in the news around the world. But, you know, it's good to know that people such as yourselves and your crew and Shania and others organizations are hard at work and have a heart to uh, do the best you can to do something about this uh, very tragic um, 
topic, but we're out here. Well, hopefully it, hopefully it changes. And yes. then we won't have to make these kinds of films anymore. Absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you so much for chatting with me and uh, giving us some behind-the-scenes information about For Love. Thank you so much, Janice, and have a great weekend, too. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Matt, uh, for giving us so much insight into the making of uh, this new documentary for her. So we are out of time, and I want to thank both of our guests for joining us on this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. And of course, of course, thank you listeners for checking in with us and supporting our show. And make sure you local people here in Vegas to uh, support and check out the Wigathon that's coming up next week um, that we mentioned earlier in the show. So have a great rest of the weekend and next week, and we'll see you on the next edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Mm-hmm.